Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods. Fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Anyway, welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, manages our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. And find him on uh, his regular Twitter at Alex underscore up seven. It is NFL week six and your degenerate commanders backers have cashed tonight as we record on a Thursday evening. Alex, they finally got it done for us. About fucking time, man. We've been going back to the well every single week. Feels like a great spot. This felt like another good spot. I felt like they were the better team in this and. They barely hung on there. We got it done. We did. So Washington wins in an ugly fashion, but they'll take them any way they can get them there in the nation's capital. That's for sure. So Washington another, for another prime time under yet another and a no sweat one at that. So uh, with that said, uh, let's not spend any more time talking about that Thursday night game. The best part of that is that it's over. And let's move on and jump right in to NFL week six across the league as we're going to jump out hot and heavy right away with a game that both of us are highly intrigued by. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we're seeing Tampa Bay, a very steep Eight-point road favorite, a total in this game at DraftKings of 45. And I'll start. I love the Steelers here. This is one of my favorite plays of the week. It is one of my rules of thumb in gambling. I love betting on teams the week after they with good coaches. And we talk about how much we like Tomlin. And we said it was not a good spot last week to throw Kenny Pickett in there. But... I love betting on good coaches the week after they get their ass kicked. And that's what we're seeing here with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Last week, they get slaughtered by Buffalo 38-3. to Now they're coming back home. And I'll be honest, Alex, if we had not seen Tampa kind of open the door for Atlanta there as that game wore on, I might not like this as much, but you know, because then I'd be saying, okay, maybe Tampa kind of turned a little bit of turned the proverbial corner 
and they're, you know, the Bucks are looking more like the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago, went to the divisional round last year, but I just don't think they're that team. And, you know, Brady continues to, I mean, his numbers have been better, um, but, you know, there's, he still looks miserable. Who knows how that game would have ended if the pass interference, or excuse me, roughing the passer uh, flag was not thrown on Grady Jarrett. So I just think there's a lot of things God, here. how bad was that? Yeah. And that, and that ended up not even being the worst roughing the passer of the weekend, which is insane. They, have, insane. To, they have to right. figure that out. So I, I look at the fact that Tampa, in this price range, is just difficult to trust. I mean, you know, you look at the way they've won – it's with defense and a lot, you know, give Leonard Fournette credit. He's been really good. And the Bucks have been a pretty sound ground game. But, you know, they win 20 to 10 in New Orleans, 19 to 3 in Dallas. And then last week at home, 21 to 15. And now you could certainly argue that they're in line for a similar type of win this time against Pittsburgh, given that we know the Steelers offense has had troubles. But I think that this is a vintage Get right spot for the Steelers. Kenny Pickett got his feet wet last week. We talked about how he didn't like that spot for him last week. Now he's coming back home. First home start. Yeah, the Steelers might be one and four, but I think there's going to be some juice in the building just to see the rookie quarterback for the first time for the Steeler faithful. And as I said, just generally speaking, system play for me. Great coach who I trust after he gets his ass kicked is going to have his team ready to play the week after. I don't know that the Steelers win outright, though. I think they are live to win outright. I definitely like them getting over a touchdown. Steelers plus eight for me. Yeah, we love Tomlin in this spot. Like you said, they just got absolutely destroyed in Buffalo, which we kind of expected, to be honest. But Tomlin, 14 Four and two against the spread as a home dog. Tampa Bay, 0-3 against the spread in their last three games. Not looking great. I mean, they couldn't close that game last week against the Falcons. That kind of just, you know, divisional spot. It's a tough one. But getting eight and a half with Pittsburgh at home, you have to love that, Mike. Biggest concern is this injury report. There's several concerns on the Seahawks' defensive side of the ball, which is not good. Minka, Fitzpatrick, Witherspoon, Sutton, that's all in the defensive back. They're all – they didn't practice today. A couple guys that are trending in the right direction. You got Fryermuth. He's on the concussion protocol, but he was limited today. So that's better news. I just think another week under his belt, Kenny Pickett. And just last week, the Steelers were driving the ball fairly well against the Bills. I mean, they didn't look completely dead. They just got in a spot where it was impossible to, you know, keep that game close. So they were going off fourth down. They weren't kicking. They were just going forward and getting stopped. But they were driving the ball fairly well. And, I just would not be confident laying this number with the Bucks on the road against anyone. You gotta love the Steelers here at home. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. As we said, the Bucks just not having a lot of explosion with their offense, and it makes it very difficult to trust. Let's go to another AFC North, NFC South matchup as the New Orleans Saints host the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the Superdome. A pair of two and three. Second place teams, neither one of these divisions exactly lighting the world on fire in the first half of 2022. But both Cincinnati and New Orleans can pump some life into their seasons with victories to get to 500. As I said, particularly in these divisions where we did just see Cincinnati take the Baltimore Ravens down to the wire on Sunday night football. So it certainly doesn't look like the Bengals are that far away from getting back to the Super Bowl appearance form that they were in last year. Saints certainly seem to have a lot more work to do in terms of getting to a playoff level where everybody kind of respects them. Having said that, they get a much-needed win last week to stop a 
three-game losing skid and defeat the Seattle Seahawks and do so with offense, which has obviously been a problem for New Orleans. They, they hang 39 on the Seahawks. And so now we see the Saints as a short home dog of two points to the Cincinnati Bengals and a total of just 43. And Alex, we talk about how totals can tip you off on sides. I do think this lower total might indicate that New Orleans could be the side, but you're going to kind of split the difference here and take the Bengals on the side, but under on the total. Yeah, I really like the Cincinnati defense here. They've been playing very, very well. A little bit surprising, but they've uh, held teams to uh, their first in the NFL. Bengals, when it comes to touchdowns allowed, they've only given up five touchdowns the entire season. That makes me look to the under, and I just think this Bengals offense is just way more skilled than the Saints. The Saints have several players on offense that are uh, concerning. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, both did not practice today. Jameis was limited but I think they're going to be probably rolling with Andy Dalton. Nothing official, but it seems like that's the way they're leaning. I just really like Cincinnati's defense a lot here, and I think they'll put up enough points, win this game. Shorter number than I kind of had envisioned initially, only two points. I think the Bengals get it done on the road, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I just don't see the Saints really putting up too many points. Nothing like they did last week on Seattle. That's a completely different defense, and they'll be seeing this week. All right, let's move forward, and uh, I don't have much to add there. I'm not really sure which way to go on this game. Uh, We certainly saw Cincinnati, as I said, play right with Baltimore in a lower-scoring game last week, so it's not to say that they couldn't have success here. New Orleans was a team I was high on going into the year, and uh, they've just looked pretty bad, so I'm not really sure if that was a sign of a uh, rejuvenation coming for the Saints or if it was just bad Seattle last week, so I want to see a little bit more uh, before kind of investing in New Orleans, and uh, Cincinnati on the road uh, would be my lean but I'm going to stay away from an NFC South team in New Orleans to a pair of AFC South teams as the Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And we're seeing Indianapolis being priced as a short home favorite in this spot with a two point line favoring the Colts, a total of just 42. Of course, we've seen Indianapolis have all sorts of struggles on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, uh, you know, headlined by a shutout loss in Duval against the Jaguars earlier this year. And now they finish up their regular season series with Jacksonville already as they meet up here in the middle of October in Indy. And I I do think that this is a nice Colts spot uh, revenge game for Indy. We know about the Colts struggles in Jacksonville, but obviously uh, they've been much better at home against the lowly Jags. Jags were a team that we thought was kind of turning a corner after they won that game in seven-point road dogs against the Los Angeles Chargers. But the last few weeks, we've also seen a little bit of a uh, a slip-up uh, from Jacksonville in that regard in the sense that you look at what the Jags have done and they lose to the Houston Texans at home last week. And, you know, I know it was the Eagles, but they were up 14 nothing, and that lead evaporated very fast on the road. So, Not quite sure what to make of Jacksonville. It seems like that air has been sucked out of the balloon. And, you know, Indy just continues to trudge along as a very mediocre football team. And it feels like Jacksonville has drifted back towards that mediocre tier if they were ever above it in the first place. And so I guess despite the fact that Indianapolis looks perpetually mediocre, in a spot like this, it almost feels like they're easier to trust because Jacksonville has just been so up and down, and right now they're in a downward trend. So you could certainly argue it's a buy-low spot for the Jags. And had Indianapolis not gotten its ass kicked by Jacksonville earlier in the year, I might agree with that. But I think with the extra time to prepare uh, and the revenge, there's enough boxes are checked for me to strongly consider Indianapolis. And I know I say, I I believe you like it as well. Yeah, I agree. Nothing official here, but definitely a strong wing to the Colts. 
especially after they were shut out by the Jags. It's really weird that we're seeing this divisional game. You know, this is the second between the two, and it's only week six, so their their divisional rivalry will come to an end this week. It's just hard to trust Jacksonville right now. I mean, they were the the underdog darlings of the season to start, but at only two points, it's really tough to back them. Definitely leaning with the Colts here. I saw Trevor Lawrence. He's only seven and fifteen against the spread in his career. He's three and eight against the spread on the road. I think this is a really tough spot for the Jags. Like we mentioned, the Colts got absolutely dusted by the Jags. Shut out, which is unbelievable. Looks like Jonathan Taylor was limited in practice today. He should work his way back and play this week. And then Indy at home, I think, is just a completely different beast than on the road in Jacksonville. I think those Florida teams have some underrated home field, mainly due to the weather and the heat, the humidity early in the season. So this is just completely different spot. Colts are on a absolute high after that miserable win. But granted, it was a win. That has to feel really good. They have to think they're in contention for this division, so they're going to be giving their all. Big concern, Shaq Leonard did not practice. Still looking like he's probably not going to go, but you know he's been out and in throughout the season so far, so I don't know how much that really matters right. necessarily, despite being their best defender, but they've been going most of the season without him. So, yeah, strong lean to the Colts for sure. All right, let's move forward and go to the New England Patriots traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns, where we're seeing New England as a short dog in this spot. Of course, I know you always fill us in on the injury status, and I I don't think Mac Jones is playing for another few weeks, but Belichick remains utterly coy on that, uh, you know, status of his quarterback. So with that in mind, uh, it does feel like we are still nonetheless set up uh, towards another Bailey Zappy start for the Patriots. And it's a two and a half point line in favor of the home team here. The Cleveland Browns lay in it total of 43 tough one for me, Alex, because I look at it and say maybe a get right game last week for the Pats blowing out the Lions. And yeah, it was the Lions. But you also look at the Browns and say, well, what are they right now? Because I know we invested in them last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. And depending on what number you got, you cashed. At worst, you probably pushed with the Browns losing by two. Uh, but the Browns continue to kind of, I feel like, lose close games. And, you you know, it's something where, you know, given the Deshaun Watson stuff and when he's going to come back, of course, a new lawsuit comes out today. But we, you figured that if they were going to be competitive in 2022, they had to win a lot of these close games early on and then try and uh, find a way to, you know, hope that Watson could get him into the playoffs towards the end of the season. So they're not winning those games right now. And that's the concern. If you're back in Cleveland, short line would indicate a close game. They've been, bad in these spots missed field goal when Brandon Staley tried to give him the game last week so all of that said maybe I lean New England but this feels like a stay away yeah this is definitely the toughest game of the week for me personally short line initially I would look to the Browns I think the under might be a better play and Mac Jones was limited in practice today so is Damian Harris and Jacoby Meyer, you know, arguably two of their better weapons. But if Harris doesn't go, which I don't expect him to, Stevenson is definitely a very serviceable, if not a starter in his own right. I think the under at 43 is probably a good look. That's probably the way I would lean. It's, it's tough to go against Belichick as an underdog. 52-28-1 against the spread as an underdog. Granted, a lot of that was with Brady. He's only 19-15 and 15 against the spread without Brady. So completely different. But if anyone can shut down 
the best weapons, it's going to be Belichick. And you, know you he's would think Belichick, too, knows Brissett pretty well from the New England days. Yeah, that's a great point. So, Jacoby revenge game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nah, so, I, I see Belichick really limiting the ground game and then making Brissett beat him. I think the under is the best look here. I, I might get there with the under, but I can't play a side in this. Okay, well, let's move on and uh, get to another game uh, in the uh, upper Midwest, uh, more Midwest than Cleveland, that's for sure, as the Green Bay Packers host the New York Jets, another AFC East, AFC North, uh, NFC North clash, I should say. So not quite uh, the same, but still nonetheless, uh, Green Bay, a seven and a half point home favorite, a total of 45 in this game. And... I don't know, Alex. I don't know what to make of the Jets because they're three and two, and it doesn't feel like they're any good. But they're three and two, and they pull out games on the road against Cleveland and Pittsburgh, where you got to give them credit for the comebacks they made. And then last week they just throttled the Dolphins, albeit with some help with the Teddy Bridgewater injury early in the game. Uh, but where do you come down on the Jets and? You know, if you're buying them, I think that you have to look at them as a worthwhile investment getting over a touchdown here. But then you have a Green Bay team that's coming back to the States, which also might speak to the Jets angle here about those teams coming back from the London trip and how it can be a tough situational spot. But regardless, Green Bay team that you would think is pretty pissed off after losing the Giants as seven and a half point chalk on a neutral field. So Jets seem to be trending up. But I don't know if it's a, a sustainable upward trend for New York and for Green Bay. You know, there could be some get right element here. So the Packers haven't looked good enough. I mean, we saw them nearly lose outright as nine and a half point chalk at home against New England. So they haven't looked good enough to back them at this price range. But I don't know that I'm loving backing the Jets either. So another stay away for me. No, I completely agree. I mean, can the Packers really be laying this number to anyone? I'm not so sure, but I know Green Bay is really good as home favorites. Um, 17 and 9 against the spread as a home favorite under Matt LaFleur. It's just a really weird spot with how well the Jets have been playing. Like you said, they're stealing these games on the road. This is a completely different spot, though against the Packers than it was against the Steelers and, you know, Trubisky for a half and then against the Browns, you know, Brissett. This is a tough spot, but it's really just not ideal to lay points like this with the Packers. I think that's the only way I would look, though. It's really not in my system to to fade Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to rely on the Jets for a backdoor cover, but do the Packers really have the weapons right now to put up this kind of points? I'm not so sure, and that's probably indicative of the 45-point total, and then you see the Packers laying over a touchdown with a rather low total. It's a little concerning. Exactly. No, that's a good point about the total being low and the point spread being relatively high. So um, I think I'll probably stay away uh, from this game and move forward. And let's move forward to we love our revenge games, Alex. How about the Wink Martindale revenge game in the Meadowlands as the New York <laughs> Giants? Host, I made note of that one. Yeah. How much host the Baltimore Ravens. And, and, and listen, the Giants are saying this is personal. For them, and, and, and they want to win it for Wink. And they are 4-1. and one, uh, Probably the worst 4-1 and one team of all time. But they're 4-1. And, one. and uh, we have the Ravens coming in as a sizable road favorite of 5.5 points. Total of 45 here. I want to back Baltimore because I just don't think the Giants are any good. But steep road favorite seems pretty square. And I don't know. That's really the only reason why I'm not doing it, so maybe no, I should I, do it. I definitely agree. This, this feels like the Ravens will be in every single teaser this oh, week, yeah. which never never ends well. Right. As evidenced by the Giants blowing them up last week with the Packers teasers. 
Absolutely. I think the only way you look here is Ravens' first half. They always come out really hot in the first half and then seem to cool off a bit. And uh, the back door is always open when you're laying almost a touchdown, six points. I, I think I would look to Ravens' first half. Lamar Jackson, really good on the road, 17-7-2 against the spread on the road. But as we always say on this pod, we love Danny Dimes as an underdog. This feels like a great Danny Dimes this spot. Is, that's to get true. That this door. is the spot we like him in. Right. Doesn't this feel like the perfect backdoor cover? That's why I look to Ravens first half and maybe right. Giants full game if you want to get weird. You can bet the Giants live when they go down early because you know that's happening. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think you would think that Baltimore is going to be able to get out here and, and, and maybe that's part of what has made Danny Dimes so successful in these price ranges is the fact that he, he kind of just, he gets like, he got behind similar price range week one at Tennessee ended up coming back and winning outright. I almost feel like it like loosens him up or something where he just kind of, you know, goes all YOLO mentality out there and it usually right, like results the in covering just, these numbers. Yeah. The pressure is just completely off when they get down. He can actually work and sling it a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, you know, I, 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 I don't have any other explanation for why the Giants are good other than, you know, the coaching staff's doing a good job. Martindale, a part of that. Maybe that also makes you stay a little bit away from Baltimore is the fact that the Giants have done such a good job coaching against teams that they maybe don't know as well. And now they have the ex-Baltimore D.C. coach in their defense. And we know that the Giants' offense isn't much to write home about anyway. They've been doing it with a lot of defense. And obviously, Saquon Barkley's been great on offense. Yeah, I think really all they have going is Saquon and then, you know, Danny Dimes ripping off some of these runs late in games. And yeah, this is a this is a tough one. I think if anyone knows this Ravens team, it's definitely Wink, like you mentioned. So this is tough. I'm going to stay away, but I might get there with Ravens first half at the least. All right, let's move forward and go to South Beach, where the Minnesota Vikings travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. We're seeing Minnesota, a short road favorite in this game of three and a half points, total of 45 in the hook. Don't know what the Miami quarterback situation is. Two is not going to play, but Teddy Bridgewater might. Uh, Otherwise, it's another week of Skylar Thompson. Uh I, I got to be honest, Alex, Minnesota feels a little like it almost feels a little trappy in, in terms of that short road favorite danger zone that uh, I talk a lot about. And the Vikings are four and one. The Dolphins are leaking oil. Recency bias would indicate that the Vikings are an easy side here. Um, I, I almost want to take Miami just on the hunch that Teddy plays and we get that full game of Teddy Bridgewater. We love him covering spreads. And we never got that last week because he got hurt right away. How do you see this? And, you know, how do you kind of deal with the quarterback uncertainty? I know you said it seems like it's trending in a positive direction for Bridgewater, though. Yeah, he was limited in practice today, so trending up. And he was in the concussion protocol, but that was, you know, due to a, a spotter. They have someone in the stands that looks for these injuries now and rules them out but he wasn't diagnosed with a concussion and they're also listing him with a pectoral injury which i think is what kept him out of the game last week he was limited it's a little concerning if it's Skylar thompson you know this viking side feels absolutely free which is never good i don't blame you right you know rolling the dice and grabbing the three in the hook the off chance that Teddy is playing, but I'm going to go under. I think this is a bit too many points. I'm kind of rolling the dice that Teddy might not play, and if he does play, maybe they'll be a little more conservative. And if you think maybe the Vikings are the side, then they get up early, and then they're going to try to control the game on the ground. It's also worth noting that this is a, a dome team traveling to Miami. We saw that. Not necessarily the same situation, but Buffalo really struggled in Miami with that heat, humidity. 
I think you could see something relatively similar. I don't know the weather. I probably should check that before this, but I like the under. I think the Vikings will try to just control this game, and maybe Miami will be a little more conservative. Miami took out the uh, the ping pong table, so that's a big. I saw that thing. Ping pong table had a locker room. <laughs> what a the more fuck, focus. Mike? Yeah, they're trying to focus. I, I think that's a uh, cry for help. Every time you see that, I remember Washington a couple of years ago did that same bullshit. Took out the ping pong table to be more focused. It's a complete fucking sham. It's one of the dumber things you can do. It's such like a low hanging fruit of reasons why you're losing. We're fucking losing because we have a ping pong table in the locker room. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think we're just a mediocre football team. I don't think it's the ping pong. Yeah, and we kind of saw that coming. I mean, couldn't everybody see through that Miami win over Buffalo with how much they got crushed in the box score? Oh, absolutely. And they definitely did not deserve to beat the Ravens either. That that was just a lack of defense. The defense completely got shredded towards the end of that game. That was way more on Baltimore than it was on Miami making better plays. All right, let's move forward and go to the final game in the early window. The San Francisco 49ers, a five-point road favorite at the Atlanta Falcons, total of 44-and-a-half. And, Alex, we talked about how Atlanta maybe becomes a trendy dog here with the fact that the Falcons are the only undefeated team against the spread left in the National Football League at 5-0, and getting that cover last week against Tampa with a strong fourth quarter. And then when we look at the San Francisco 49ers, it is the second game of a consecutive uh, back-to-back on the road for the 49ers which is, uh, you know, on the road on the East Coast, excuse me, is the point I wanted to make there, which for most coaches might be a concern. For Kyle Shanahan, I'm here to tell you that it's not because he's somebody that really, uh, I, I, I think I read he kind of got his ass kicked by the cross-country travel his first year with the 49ers and uh, really dove deep into researching stuff about body clocks and how to best handle these long trips and uh, has since started doing the whole campsite thing for a week in between games on the in the eastern time zone and therefore not traveling back to the bay area so that's what they did this week after the 49ers beat the panthers last week in charlotte they stayed in west virginia uh and now they're going down they practiced all week there i guess they're going to atlanta uh either today friday as you listen to this or saturday um and then they'll play the falcons so all that is to say that i'm not worried about the situational spot for that would suggest a 49er fade uh and i do think that atlanta is just bound to look like that team that everybody thought would be one of the worst in the nfl uh, going into the year so that has me thinking san francisco's aside here i think san francisco is one of the better teams in the nfl and certainly one of the better teams in the nfc and, you know, as evidenced by look at the way the 49ers have responded after that clunker on Sunday Night Football a few weeks ago against the Broncos, uh, they come back and blow out the uh, L.A. Rams on Monday Night Football. They have a blowout win on the East Coast last week against uh, the Carolina, excuse me. So uh, I think the 49ers are looking more and more comfortable uh, with Jimmy G, it's the same team that went to a pair of NFC championship games and a Super Bowl recently. 49ers definitely decide for me here. Yeah, that's certainly the only way I would look. I was looking at the under as well. Unders are 10 and 2 on San Francisco's last 12 games. Like you mentioned the Niners stay out on the East Coast now. It's a hat tip to Shanahan. That's a really solid move on his part. I think the Niners are really the only side you have to look here. The Falcons have some concerns with uh, Patterson out. Kyle Pitts, I'm not sure what you can expect there. Even the coach was saying, like, this isn't fancy football. We're not just trying to force the ball to him despite being the best player on their team. Yeah, I'm just a little concerned with the Falcons' offense. I'm I'm looking more towards the under, but I think 
Niners are the only side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying on the under. 44 and a half, it, it, it's funny, like, with how successful unders have been with a pair of offenses here that we don't think are, neither one is all that explosive, it does feel like 44 in the hook seems a little high. Yeah, it does, right? And that's with the books are definitely taking notice. It feels like a lot of these games this week, the totals are lower than – a lot of NFL games in previous, but this number still feels a tick too high for sure. Okay, let's go out west uh, where we go from one NFC West, NFC South matchup to another. The Carolina Panthers traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Rams. Uh, Carolina catching 10 in the first game post Matt Rule. Total of 41 and a half here. We love that fire up the auto bet system after the coach gets fired trend. And I think it just philosophically has made a lot of sense over the years in the NFL about how it kind of fires up the team that just had the coach dismissed. Um, And at 10 points, I mean, even if Matt rule were still there, I might say stinky side Carolina or pass. You know, Steve Wilkes is the interim. He obviously was one and done with the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. So not exactly somebody that inspires a lot of confidence. Um, But I think with that first, you know, that coach fired first week after coach fired trend that we like and the Rams just being so hard to trust right now, particularly with the offense for the Rams. Hence, this total is just 41 and a half. I mean, it's a bad offensive line for Los Angeles. It's a quarterback in Matt Stafford that's aging and obviously not very mobile. And it's an offense that really is devoid of serious playmakers outside of Cooper Cup. Certainly understandable why, you know, we've heard some rumblings lately of, uh, you know, more advanced talks with Odell Beckham Jr. for the Rams if he's able to uh, come back, which we still don't know if that will happen. But, yeah, I, Carolina is definitely a side here that you, the only way you can look, but you brought it up before we jumped on about the health of J.C. Horn. That's going to be really important to monitor when it comes to mo- shutting down or at least hindering Cooper Cup. Yeah, I think that's arguably the biggest injury concern here. We all know, you know, Baker Mayfield injured, so that's something to monitor, but I would argue that P.J. Walker is a huge step down. I think J.C. Horn is the bigger concern in this game. And that's kind of why I'm staying away currently. I really want to see his status. He didn't practice today. But like you mentioned, he's going to be the one to shadow and try to slow down Cup. And that's really the Rams' entire offense. So if Horn can't go, then... I'm not going to say look to the Rams, but I would probably stay away from Carolina. But we do love the the coaching angle of the first guy fired interim coach. We love that. That's always a good spot. And then this Rams team just should not be laying 10. Like we always say, when you're looking at a total of only 42 points, that 10 points is way more valuable. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, P.J. Walker is going to be the quarterback. We should have noted that for Carolina uh, with Baker Mayfield out now. And, you know, it seems like Sam Darnold's getting closer. But, I mean, P.J. Walker might just be better than Sam Darnold for all we know. But regardless, um, you know, we've seen P.J. Walker kind of at least be a functional quarterback, right? Like, it's not something where you just can't, like, like this isn't, trying to think of an example, like, I was going to say Flacco with the Jets, but he even he engineered that comeback against the Browns. Like, it's not something where you see him at quarterback and you immediately, uh, you know, wipe the game off the board. Is my point. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was I was trying to think of a comp, but all I can think of was last year when Cooper Rush came in, and I thought that you know the. The Vikings were free money, and then the Cowboys win that game outright. It's it's tough to find a comparison, but P.J. Walker is definitely a very serviceable, I guess, third string at this point with uh, 
Baker and Darnold down, but still very very serviceable. This number feels too high, but I don't know if I can quite get there. Okay, let's move forward and go to another NFC West clash as we have the Arizona Cardinals heading to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Arizona laying two and the hook total of 50 and the hook. Uh, final game without DeAndre Hopkins for Arizona as he'll return from his suspension in week seven. Uh, part of me makes me think that that almost makes Arizona kind of interesting here. If they can get out three and three, that's probably what they would have been hoping for in the absence of Hopkins. Uh, but you like the home dog here in Seattle. I'm curious what you're seeing here because this is one where, uh, you know, Seattle losers on the road last week against New Orleans, a New Orleans team that was leaking oil. Uh, why do you like the Seahawks? Yeah, I just don't think <laughs> the Cardinals are that good. And we love fading Cliff. I, I think he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL. He thinks he's some offensive guru. But if you look at it, his scripted plays versus Murray's play calling, it's just terrible. The cards have been outscored 38 to nothing in the first quarter. They haven't scored a fucking point in the first quarter. And <laughs> the first quarter is always these scripted plays, which you go through right. and work on. Like that's what the coach wants to install is these, these first quarter plays, the first couple of drives of the game is what the coach is actually doing. So to be outscored 38 to nothing. Now, when you look at it, Pete Carroll, really strong as a home underdog, 18-7 and seven against the spread. Geno Smith, really strong as a quarterback covering. It's just, it's crazy. I think, I think Pete was wrong, or right, I'm sorry, right this entire time. Not letting Russ cook necessarily. Everyone's screaming, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And then you see him go to this, the Broncos and he's, he looks fucking terrible, and the Seahawks are winning games with a backup quarterback and running the ball well and, you know, working with their playmakers, and they just install this Geno Smith. Decent quarterback in college, West Virginia, great. Just <laughs> not, not, not like a Russ type of character, but the Seahawks just seem to be able to put up a lot of points. This total does feel a tick too high, though. I saw yeah, 50 in the hook is high. It, I mean, you have to expect them both to put up a ton of points. But when I mentioned that the, the Cardinals have yet to score a point in the first quarter, that's, that would be a little concerning for the total to go over. But also, these high totals in the NFL this year, totals of 49.5 and higher. They're nine and three to the under. So okay. these, these huge totals you're seeing, a lot of them are going under. And everyone's expecting a shootout in this game. I would definitely look to the under. I want to look to the Seahawks on the first quarter as well, just strictly because I do not trust Cliff. And like I mentioned, how bad they're getting outscored. So when that's available, I'll probably play that. I assume. The Seahawks being a dog in the full game, you'll get a slight price point there. You might get, you know, plus 0.5 or something. I would I would take Seattle first quarter. All right, let's move on to the game of the week and the game of the season, really, thus far in the National Football League and maybe the entire regular season. Uh, certainly, I think everybody believes these are the best two teams in the NFL at the moment. We know about the history in postseasons uh, between Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, Chief amongst them, no pun intended, that playoff game last year against uh, in the divisional round, an all-timer uh, in which the Chiefs walked it off in overtime. Uh, of course, they met in the NFC in the AFC Championship game of the year before that, uh, and they've played in the regular seasons. In each of the last two years, Kansas City winning the 2020 meeting in the regular season, Buffalo going to Kansas City and winning pretty convincingly in the early portions of the 2021 regular season. Again, not that anybody's really looking at that right now. Everybody's just going to circle that playoff game last year. But it is worth noting that Buffalo did put a beat down on the Chiefs 
last year in the regular season at Arrowhead. Buffalo is a two and a half point road favorite, a total of 54. Not surprised to see the total that high. A little surprised. This number's been bet down, by the way, and I did get the Chiefs at plus three. I would still play it at plus two and a half uh, because I I love the Chiefs here. Patrick Mahomes has never been a home underdog in his career. Eight times a dog, 7-0-1 against the spread in those previous eight games. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is just something for me where we talk about good home fields and, like, you just finished talking about Seattle and, and that's how he's a good home field. Well, how often do you get – I'm just looking at my chops over the Chiefs getting points at Arrowhead. I mean, that that's just something that I'm going to try and do back every time. And, of course, it happens to be against a Buffalo team that just can eat people's souls. And, uh, you know, really you know, the one loss that the Bills had, uh, we talked about, was obviously a game that they should have won uh, against Miami. So – they've lived up to the hype and then some, you could even say that they've exceeded the hype. Uh, but Kansas city looks to be just fine offensively, at least without Tyree kill. And uh, I thought that Kansas city defense, I mean, they gave up some big plays to Devonte Adams, but thought they kind of held their own more than I, uh, you know, Jacobs ran well. Uh, so it wasn't like they were lighting the world on fire, but, I don't know. I, I didn't think they were terrible last week uh, on Monday Night Football. So I I kind of think that, again, Chiefs getting points at home. Uh, yeah, it's a super revenge spot for the Bills, but I almost feel like maybe the Chiefs. I also think that maybe plays to the Chiefs a little bit. They got to be sick of hearing about revenge game, revenge game, revenge game. So um, I think the Chiefs are going to you – know, the, they are the ones who are the dog here. All we've been hearing about is the Bills. And they were, the Bills weren't even in the NFL's Final Four last year. So I think the Chiefs come in with a chip on their shoulder. I'll take Kansas City plus the points. Max play for me on the Chiefs. Is this a better coach, better quarterback spot? Certainly feels like it. Right. Right? And you're getting you're getting points at home. Yeah, it's it's weird. Initially I I looked at it and thought Bills just gut feeling. Just the way they've been blown out teams and they, they probably could have did the Steelers way worse than they did. But granted, a couple of those were, you know, absolute bombs of Gabriel Davis. And the Bills just don't have that sort of lead back like the Raiders do. The Raiders are really committed to the run, which absolutely gashed the Chiefs. Looked really good on the ground. I don't think the Bills quite have that same sort of offense. They're going to have to throw the ball way more. I would, yeah, I would agree with you and grab the Chiefs as dogs. I'm never counting out Mahomes and Reed. I, I can't quite get a good grasp on this side. I I would also, if anything, I would look to the under, just these higher totals. I know a lot of these Chiefs games are going over as of late, but if you look back to that that Colts-Chiefs game, the Colts only put up 20. Chiefs only put up 17, 37 points total, and that was against a way, way more impressive ground attack. So I think the Chiefs can kind of sell out here against the pass and the Bills do not have Devonte Adams. They have Gabriel Davis. It's a lot easier to shut down than Adams. Adams is always known to get his, like we saw. I think you got to look to the Chiefs here. So some agreement on the home dog in the uh, massive spot here for the uh, Buffalo Bills, for both teams for that matter, Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, Romo and Nance obviously on the call there on CBS. Let's get to the primetime games to wrap things up. Dallas heading to Philly Sunday night football. The Cowboys catching six and a half at DraftKings. Total of 42. Alex, I'll be honest. Um, the Eagles have some offensive line injuries that are getting healthier. I think they're going to have their whole line. But Jordan Mailata left tackle did not play against Arizona last week. Landon Dickerson one of the guards, and uh, Jason Kelsey got hurt in the game against the Cardinals. 
So that's an initial concern here is just how healthy are those guys? Because the Dallas front seven has just been destroying opposing offensive lines and winning at will in the trenches and the pass rush. I mean, we, you know, obviously major mismatch in favor of the Cowboys last week against the LA Rams. And we saw Matt Stafford really not stand a chance. So that's initially, that that's the thing I'm most interested in here is how does the Eagle offensive line hold up? Eagles offensive line has been very good over the last few years. How does that hold up with a Dallas front seven that we know is very formidable? Uh, so that's the first thing. That and feels like the, the complete key to this game, right? I think so. offensive line versus the Dallas defensive line. Like, if they can just be neutral, then I think the Eagles could could roll. But right, if Dallas seems allow, to that script, I think that's where the advantages for the Eagles come in here is uh, – say what you want about Trayvon Diggs. He's a gambler at corner. And I think that, you know <laughs> – it's funny I say that on a gambling podcast. But, you know, I say that as if it's a bad thing. Um, you know, I hope Trayvon Diggs hits his bets. But as far as <laughs> – it's worse he, as a corner than it is us as degenerates. Yes. Um, on the football field, he's somebody that I look at and just don't trust against elite wide receivers. And obviously the Eagles have A.J. Brown. And I think Devonta Smith by the end of the year is going to be in that same viewed in that same vein. So I, I think if the Eagles can protect well enough, Jalen Hurts can get the ball to those guys. And Jalen Hurts can obviously make enough plays himself to where they can score here. And then if they can score, then you start getting about talking about getting getting the game uh, out of the element of one Cooper Rush, who has followed that same game script of mistake-free football, hang in there, keep it competitive, don't turn it over, distribute the ball to C.D. Lamb, and you know utilize the running backs. Both of them have ran well and win the game 21 to 14. So. While I don't know which way I want to go here, uh, and my lean is probably to the Cowboys because of how strong their defense has been, catching nearly a touchdown. Division dog, we like that. Division road dog, also an even stronger angle. We saw that catch with the Raiders last week. We were on it. I, I do think that this is one that probably correlates. If you like the Cowboys, I think you have to go under 42. And if you like the Eagles, they're probably scoring enough to push it over. So that would be my advice. I don't know how I'll play it, if I will at all. Yeah, I'm with you. This is a this is a tough one. I definitely lean the Eagles, and I probably would go back to the well with Eagles first half. It just hasn't lost be- yet, has it? No, it's been absolutely incredible. A couple scares. The last two weeks have been very scary to go down 14 nothing to the Jags early in that game. 14 nothing and need a field goal at the end there to cover. Yes. So, I mean, just completely flip-flop there, and they covered both. And Jalen Hurts is 4-0-1 against the spread as a home favorite. I would strongly lean the Eagles here. I would look to the over as well. Like you said, that definitely feels correlated. I'm just waiting for this Cooper Rush hype train to break down. Could this be the week? I feel like it is the week. On the road, under the lights, in Philly. We don't talk about home field advantage too much because I don't think it really exists in the NFL too often outside of a few stadiums. I think Philadelphia in prime time is absolutely one of the places that home field advantage does still exist. There's yeah. not going to be many Dallas fans in this. This isn't fucking Washington. This isn't FedEx where it's 60, 40 Dallas. This isn't right. LA where it's probably even more so Dallas than that. I mean, that LA game, you could hear the oh, Dallas fans game. on defense. Yeah, that was a home game. Philadelphia is a different breed. This, this is not going to be friendly for Dallas. And and, and that might also speak to like an anti Cooper Rush angle, right? Like Exactly. I know. think this is where the lights get a little too bright for him. This might be where we see, you know, a turnover or two, which he hasn't been doing. Credit to him. He's been playing really well. I mean he played really well at New York 
I would argue that's not a great home field advantage. I don't I don't think New York scares anyone playing on the road and this Philadelphia team is just different. This is way better. Offensive line and defensive line are just absolutely dominant. A couple of those injuries you mentioned on offensive line, Kelsey was limited, Dickerson was limited. So you gotta hope both they play. Obviously that's massive for the offensive line. If they can just neutralize slightly, you know, limit maybe a couple sacks versus, you know, being absolutely devastated by the Cowboys defensive line, if they can just keep this neutral, then they win this game fairly comfortably. Let's wrap things up in Los Angeles as the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football travel to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Chargers. And we're seeing Denver. A four-and-a-half-point road dog. Another AFC West game on Monday Night Football. Another road division dog that I'm intrigued by on Monday Night Football. And because if there was ever a spot for Denver to get right, it would be in a division game with the maximum amount of time that you have to prepare in the middle of the season without a bye week. Denver having played on a Thursday night, now not playing again until Monday night. By the way, total in this game at 45-and-a-half. Um Alex, the other point I want to make here as to why I like Denver, in addition to it just feels like now or never for the Broncos from a get-right ability. Uh, the If this game was booked at the beginning of the season, you know, they hang those game-of-the-year lines at some, at some books, I think we would be seeing Denver maybe a one-and-a-half, two-point dog on the road. And so then you have to ask yourself, has Denver, since the beginning of the season, been three points worse than the Chargers? I mean, three points is significant, and the Chargers haven't been great either. And, you know, this is a Charger team that did get whitewashed at home by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Charger team that should have lost last week to the Cleveland Browns. And so what exactly do you hang your head on? If you're the Chargers, your coach is very suspect. Your injuries are obviously plentiful. And so I, as bad as Denver's been, I just don't think that the Chargers have been that great. And again, that's why I go back to if you bet this game in the beginning of the season, you'd think Denver plus four and a half was an absolute steal. I don't think this is an absolute steal, but I think there's a little bit too much of an overreaction on Denver's slow start. And honestly, maybe not enough of a reaction to the Chargers not looking great out of the gate either. This is a team that I bet beginning of the season to win the division. Not feeling great about that right now. Broncos plus four and a half. It's not that I love the Broncos, but I, as I said, now or never spot for Denver. And I, I really don't think the Chargers are playing good football right now. Uh, so I, I think there's some value in the number at the Broncos north of a field goal. I completely agree. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to let Russ cook in this game. I I think four and a half is too many points in this sort of divisional matchup in prime time. Another Broncos prime time game. As if last week wasn't enough, they give us another one. I think this is just too many points. You got to take the Broncos here. Like you mentioned the. Chargers injuries are piling up. I think if any matchup coaching-wise that Hackett can kind of neutralize is probably against Staley. This is the guy that we thought was some offensive guru, some really aggressive, sharp sort of mind, and I just I don't quite see it. He doesn't make the right decisions. He's got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and team looks a little lackluster at times. No Bosa, I think, is massive. That should give the Broncos a lot more time to operate and maybe neutralize this this Russ injury that I think he's been dealing with. It seems like a shoulder injury, not quite reporting it, but I think the Broncos are definitely – good enough to bounce back here and keep this game close this feels like a field goal game i think you're definitely getting some value here 
Broncos might be a live dog in the division spot here. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, you you hit on it for sure with the the Russ stuff. It feels like he'll be okay, and uh, Broncos. If there's ever a time, it, it has to be now. So some agreement there. Uh, good stuff, my man. I know we'll be talking and. That'll wrap things up for us on another edition of Full Slate. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod on our podcast Twitter. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. As I said, Alex, always good to catch up and uh, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Let's cash some bets. All righty, everybody enjoy the baseball playoffs. Enjoy NFL week six, college football as well. Plenty of things going on in NHL starting up. NBA will start next week. A lot of things to enjoy in the world of sports right now. For Alex Uplinger, I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Signing off. And, of course, please play responsibly.